Welcome back to Auto Day of the FreightWaves Global Supply Chain uh, Week. This is Alan Adler, the Detroit Bureau Chief for FreightWaves, and I am very happy to uh, introduce our next guest, uh, Gareth Joyce, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Proterra, Inc. Proterra is a maker of electric buses. They make uh, uh, charging uh, equipment and batteries and uh, an interesting role, we think, in the whole supply chain. So, Gareth, welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks, Alan. Uh, nice to be with you. You know, you have a, an interesting background. Um, you've, you've, of course, been in automotive. You, you worked in the airlines before you came. Uh, you worked in the airlines of sustainability before you came to Proterra. And I just think it's fascinating that, you know, you, you took over the CEO role there in January uh, from, from Jack Allen, who's, a, a, I guess, a friend of FreightWaves. He's been on with us before. Um, I just am curious to, to start, you know, what kind of lessons do you bring to Proterra from, from that background, from, from uh, Delta and also from uh, automotive? Uh, thanks, Alan. Um, first of all, yeah, I, I've spent most of my career in the automotive industry or with uh, the Daimler organization, mostly on the Mercedes-Benz franchise. Uh, I come from South Africa, started with them there and, and moved around the world a fair bit, uh, lived in Europe, the US, uh, Canada, and, and now back to the US. Um, so so I have uh, yeah, rich experience in the automotive space, um, good sort of global uh, exposure as well. And and then, yes, you're right, I, I uh, uh, you know, jumped tracks for a while to the airline industry, which was uh, completely new to me. And um, you know, steep learning curve to learn a, a whole new industry um, and culminating in being the chief sustainability officer at Delta Airlines. Um, and, then, and then made the choice to come back to automotive, which is, is you know, where my passion lies. Um, but in particular, through my exposure um, towards the environmental challenges that we face, um, uh, as I took that role on at the airline, uh, I was very purposeful in, in, in you know, seeking out an opportunity to do something with a positive influence on the future of uh, our planet. I, I think we have a, a, a tremendous uh, opportunity on the one hand, but also a great responsibility as leaders to take this task on now because uh, uh, we cannot leave it any longer. So, yeah, it, it's been a great experience. And, of course, uh, seeing different industries, recognizing that you, know, you have different challenges, um, uh, was, was a great experience too. You know, uh, One example, uh, the life of an asset – uh, in an airline is substantially longer than than that of a passenger car, for example. Um, yeah, it could be uh, five or six times longer, uh, and a commercial vehicles sit somewhere in the middle of that. And so, you know, just the financial aspect of your decision-making criteria around asset replacement for a fleet is, is, is different, right? And you have to think about it differently because you've got a, a much longer horizon in the aircraft industry. Whereas uh, for automotive, I think our ability to get there quicker is obviously accelerated because we've got a shorter lifespan of the assets. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and of course, the, the theme of the week, quite honestly, is supply chain. And the word that has to go with that right now is crisis. I mean, we're we're in a crisis. Um, one of the things we're trying to explore, uh, you know, during our fireside chats, and our keynotes is is sort of the different uh, the different perspectives on this. And, and you bring one that is a little different. You're you're in the middle of the supply chain as a buyer and a seller, uh, electric buses, batteries through Proterra Powered, which you ran when you came to the company. Uh, what strategies uh, have you developed or adopted to manage during this crisis? 
Yeah, we uh, um, are a little unique, you're right, because uh, on the one hand, as a manufacturer of, a, of a, our own transit bus, we're an OEM. Um, on the other hand, one of the strategic decisions we made in our business some years ago was to establish our own uh, technology around the battery. And, and in doing so, we recognized we had a, a, a very capable battery for commercial vehicle applications and thus started a tier one supply business of commercial vehicle battery powertrains. Um, so yes, we have this kind of unique perspective on the market because we're you know, we're a supplier to ourselves in one in, in one dimension. Uh, and then of course we have the uh, energy infrastructure business as well, which is another part of our business that as we moved into the space of electrification for commercial vehicles, um, fleet electrification and the charging infrastructure around that is is uh, a space that requires significant. Uh, um, thought construct uh, and technology application to do it successfully. So we have those three unique components of our business. Um, and uh, you know, the example I just gave you was a sort of step in vertical integration that you know, set us up some years ago to, to have more control over our own battery technology. Um, and as we look forward, you're going to be thinking about how do you continue to make strategic decisions around Supplier diversity on the one hand to manage risk uh, across different suppliers for the same components versus uh, vertical integration for strategic opportunity around specific technologies that give you competitive advantage versus supplier consolidation to get volume and scale opportunity to drive costs down in an industry that is still fairly young and obviously looking to see continuous cost improvement. So there's, there's multiple dimensions to the strategic challenge of supply chain management, especially for a young company. Uh, one of the things that I saw that you did do late last year was you locked up a, a long-term uh, battery cell supply, which is critical, obviously, to making batteries. I mean, there, there are no batteries without battery cells, right? So, uh, you know, you worked with LG and you came up with a, with a deal uh, essentially to also address some some issues around uh, uh you know, cross-border uh, or, or uh, USMCA, uh, which was an interesting move. And then uh, I would presume that gives you some latitude, not just to take care of your own needs, but also to, um, you know, to, to begin retailing, I suppose, or wholesaling. Yeah, so uh, well said. The uh, agreement we had with LG was a, a critical strategic move on our part. Um, we we recognize that in order to be able to serve the demand that we see ahead of us in the market as electrification sort of accelerates uh, in the U.S. and beyond, cell supply was was an essential to secure. So so we did the deal with LG that gives us cell supply security up till 2028. Um, but more importantly, as you mentioned, part of that agreement was to not just have the security of cell supply, but to have the cells manufactured and produced in the U.S., um, because it is important for USMCA compliance, as you say, and and so you know, we've covered that that piece of the the supply uh, supply chain. But I think it goes beyond that. I, I think we have uh, a rich uh, desire at Proterra to see the supply chain developed in the US to support electrification. So it's not just about cell supply. We have to go further than that because uh, this is an industry that is going to develop over the next two three decades. Um, so there's a, a great opportunity for us to, to create uh, independence of supply risk outside of the U.S. early on in this journey um, and grow our capabilities in Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 supply 
um, right here in the U.S. where we've got the investment, the economic growth potential, the job creation potential, potential, and of course the the skills development. So that was that was one step towards what we see as a very important strategic uh, development for uh, the industry in the U.S. Well, and and I, I guess this just occurs because this week, and of course, I guess it will be last week when this airs. But but just the the decision by Tritium to uh, do a plant, a charger plant in Tennessee, Australian company bringing uh, its business here. Uh, because it obviously sees the potential of this market. They're going to transfer executives and, and create jobs and all the things that, that you mentioned, I mean, you know, to help build this out. I'm also wondering about some of the other things like permanent magnets, you know, the rare earth and, uh, and things like that. Do you, do you see this really running the whole gamut of supply as well as things like freight? I mean, you know, uh, having, uh, you know, you must have a, a, some kind of arrangement on your freight moving your stuff. No, that's well said. Um, so there are those two dimensions to it. One is um, security of supply of ultimately the raw materials that go into the production of cells, which then go into the production of batteries, which then get uh, installed in vehicles. Um, so I, I think the independence of supply chain right up to raw material is critical. Um, you know, to have any single country around the world having dominant control over raw materials that that go into you know the the an industry and in this case electrification of, of vehicles uh, puts you at risk, right? Um, so I think it's important to create independence from that on the one hand, and on the other hand, if we can develop and mature the industry here in the U.S., obviously it shortens the supply chain um, and de-risks some of the challenges that we've seen over the past uh, 12 to 24 months with freight capacity for ocean, air, rail, you know, uh, many businesses across the globe have, have experienced challenges with that. And um, obviously it helps de-risk that. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, because we are a freight focused uh, outfit here. Uh, let me ask you uh, how you handle your, your freight. I presume you are, uh, you don't have your own trucks. You, you probably contract out. Correct. Yeah. We contract out. Um, that's great. Yeah. So I guess the the supply chain disruption that we're seeing, you you just referenced it. It does uh, present uh, specific issues for businesses and newer transportation technologies like electrification. You mentioned the need to develop tier one, two, and three suppliers onshore, and that kind of thing. We've all seen what the problems that the semiconductor shortage has created because we don't have uh, adequate. Uh, local supply, if you will, or, or, or on onshore supply. Um, what what else can you add to that, that that suggests that we can, you know, either either future proof this or, or whatever you would want to call it? Yeah, I think uh, for me, there's a couple of themes that are important. One, you know, understanding what are your strategically important components, and then you know, what are more sort of, uh, if I could use the word loosely, sort of. Uh, uh, commoditized or more avail readily available components. It's important to understand that because uh, that then guides you in how you develop your strategy around vertical integration and um, uh, you know, strategic sourcing with single suppliers. So, so you've got to start with knowing your product base and understanding um, where you have risk around specific componentry. Once you've done that, then obviously you, you're able to, um, you know, find cost opportunity with more readily available components and then invest in the risk areas. So you know, this agreement we did with LG was something that we, you know, it was an investment of time, energy, effort, long-term contracts, and you know, we put money into the program 
um, where you know, we we have the benefit of that coming back to us on a part piece basis over time. But but you know sometimes it requires investment to secure the capacity. So you know it gives you by by looking at your your uh, your bond strategically and understanding where the component risk is, it allows you to then most efficiently use your capital to secure your supply chain through either vertical integration or you know, strategic agreements with single source suppliers. Yeah. Where where do the uh where do the the present issues and we've talked about, you know, freight and we've talked about uh, uh obviously supply of of key materials. Where does the present situation most impact Rotera and and what are you doing about it I guess is the best way to ask. Yeah, I think uh yeah, we we uh um like many others, have continued to be agile and nimble uh, as we've navigated this landscape over the past 12, 18 months. Um, we have seen issues with uh, yeah, resins uh, availability and then any components they go into. So, for example, connectors, um, which are used on harnesses, uh, that, that's an area that we've seen some pinch uh, over the past uh, six to eight months. Um, I think the, the challenge really is is as I said, staying agile because um, supply chains go so deep today. Um, when you get down to sort of tier three, tier four, um, there can be any single component that could become problematic, problematic as a component of a sub-assembly, of an assembly. of a. So you've got to remain agile because the, um, the extent to which bonds expand in your supplier base is very difficult to predict where the next uh, risk factor might come from. Right. Yeah. So you've got to You've got to do the work to try and be as predictive as possible and stay ahead of challenges that might be uh, easier to see coming. But equally, a critical aspect is to to stay agile. You just have to have flexible systems and processes to allow you to adapt really quickly as you see constraints coming forward. Well, you, you've had an overlay, though, and everyone has, of COVID and of COVID absences, both in, I'm sure, your operations as well as those of, of your suppliers. Um is there anything to be done except wait those out? Well, I think uh, we have, as as I think many others have recognized, that there there are many, many more tools in our toolbox to deal with COVID today than there were 24 months ago. And so our ability to navigate those challenges has improved substantially. The, the problem is still there. We see waves continuing to come uh, into societies across the globe over you know, time and at different frequencies. But we have tools in our toolbox, right? We have processes, we have medical treatment protocols, we have ways to sort of separate workforces. Um, so I think our tools are, are you know, have matured uh, to a point where we can navigate those impacts far more successfully than we could when this first broke. Um, and I'm, I think you know, most companies are seeing that. And so the ability to manage the impact on production is improving, I think, over time. Um, I, I think... The, the the challenge right now is just closing the gap between you know, where supply chain is and where demand is, um, because there was a period where you know, you had a you had a pent up demand, and and so as you're recovering supply production capability and the demand is still there, there is still a lag effect to bridge that gap, even although we have better tools to manage the impact of COVID. Right. 
Right. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, in, in, in one sense, I mean, you know, when we get back to, you know, what you're doing with the with, with your supply, that is, and we'll talk about uh, again with, with your deal with LG, that, that allowed you to begin to look beyond your own stuff. You cut a deal with Nicola, uh, a startup to startup, really. You're really not a startup. You've been around a while. So I, 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 I shouldn't use that. I think you called yourself a scale-up, I believe is what you said. Scale-up. Yeah, scale yeah, that's, that's the phrase we say. Yeah, we, we may coin that. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, because this deal with Nicola to supply them uh, and, uh, you know, still very much a nascent business for them in terms of uh, battery electric trucks. Um, but Jack had told us, Jack Allen had told us that, you know, trucking was going to be sort of the last area that, that you approached uh, in terms of the the the, uh, uh, the continuum, really. Uh, seemed like you got there a little early with, with Nicholas. It's just a test. No, not at all. Um, so, uh, first of all, you know, Jack is, is a, a, a wise, experienced uh, leader in the in the trucking space and uh, has, has always had uh, great thought leadership in it. But um, uh, in this particular case, I think you know, Jack himself and, and I, as we worked through the uh, the deal, recognised that um, you know as we have uh, you know trying to disrupt in the space to accelerate the transformation to you know electrification for commercial vehicles. Nikola is doing the same thing. Um, so in them, we see an organization that is uh, rich in engineering talent and, and mission orientated uh, and particularly focused on you know, the, the part of the trucking industry that is, is most critical to transform because we all know the impact that Class 8 has on, on the environment. So um, we had common ground on mission, um, which is important to me as a leader. Uh, they, they have a, a, as you said, sort of startup mindset. And as I describe us as a scale up mindset, we're, we're, we're aggressive in, in speed. We, we want to achieve our mission. We want to get there as fast as we can because it's important for society. Um, and, and they are equally ambitious to uh, transform the class eight uh, trucking segment. So we have an agreement with them to supply batteries for uh, you know, both the Trade Bev and the uh, Trade Fuel Cell. Um, architecture, and um, you know, we we uh, uh, enjoy a good working relationship with them. Good, good. Well, get you out here in this one. Uh, Nicola being uh, you know in the news sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for not so good reasons is clearly a name that is known. How has that helped you uh, in, in terms of uh, you know sort of other maybe legacy uh, suppliers? A lot of uh, a lot of the truck makers uh, you know have chosen their battery suppliers and, and that sort of thing. But uh, what opportunities are out there for you? Well, first of all, I, yeah, we we uh, believe we have um, you know, leading technology in the space. We've developed the cylindrical cell NCM format chemistry, you know, chemistry cells into our battery packs that give us uh, you know, a significant uh, competitive product where we have energy density, both volumetrically, volumetrically and gravimetrically, which is critical, particularly in a class A application. But most importantly for us, it's on an extremely safe platform, which is one of the most important things to us. Um, you know, if you look at the applications of, of uh, battery technology in commercial vehicles uh, on a transit bus or on a school bus, you know, that is the most precious uh, freight we have. Um, so we pride ourselves on having leading technology that, that we think has relevance in Class 8. We've demonstrated it with our transit bus for, for many years already with the energy levels we have on that vehicle. Um, 
And yeah, Nicola recognizes that, and and yeah, I believe there are other Class Eight applications out there that you know are all looking at the different technology offerings in the market. This is a young nascent space, and uh, and obviously we would be eager to continue to support the transformation towards battery electric with uh, any Class Eight manufacturer that recognizes the value of our technology. And hopefully they're watching now. Gareth, it's really been good to have you and uh, we appreciate your time and for being part of uh, the Global Supply Chain Week here at Freight Waves. Thanks again. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate you having us on.